0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: We have with us right now uh, Alu Axelman of Liberty Block. I mean, you're not a stranger to the show or anything like that. We've had you on this show uh, quite often. So, What are you up to these days? Now, you worked with us extensively on the, that would be myself and Ian, on NHX, which was a, a, an attempt to get a ballot question on, on the ballot, obviously, about whether or not New Hampshire should peaceably declare independence from the United States. And it appears you've recently written a new book uh, called
2: Presumed Guilty. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's correct. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to be on. And yeah, I, I think you said in the past, it's not in the past, we are still working on NH exit New Hampshire independence movement, and we will continue until we're successful at seceding. And it's going to happen inevitably within the next few years or the D.C. empire will collapse and will be independent
3: anyway. Well, I think there's a more, much higher likely uh, likelihood of that. I, I, I'd I'd like to see a state secede and see what happens. But, I mean, we've looked at Palau. We looked at uh, Philippines. Both of those seceded from the United States and didn't go particularly well for them because there's usually a little bit of bitter, bitterness involved. Oh, there would be a lot of bitterness when yeah. we leave D.C. I'm
2: definitely accounting for that. They'll be very bitter and, and they will probably do everything they can do. Um, I, I do think that overall, at the end of it, will, will be successful, though. So as for the latest book I published around four weeks ago, on it's on Amazon. It's called Presumed Guilty. And this one was not going to be about secession.
3: It was going nice. to be all about due process. Justice left the room a century ago.
1: So in what other ways, Alu, what, has due process just been sort of discarded in the United States? Because yeah, well,
2: well, so interesting about the Crypto 6 case, and go to thecrypto6.com for more info about Ari and Ian and the others, is... I mentioned you guys in a few chapters, the chapter on victimless crimes, because you're being charged for using crypto, um, obviously no victim, and the chapter on pretrial bail conditions. That's the big one. There's a whole chapter on pretrial, which for those who don't understand basic English, pretrial means before the trial, meaning before a conviction. So how could someone possibly be punished before conviction? It's obviously a violation of due process. So what Ian and Arya and the others were put through of stripping half their rights. They can't leave the house, can't use cryptocurrency or any drugs or any guns or travel and do so many other things. and can't use technology like Signal. Before being convicted, they're being punished. That's sickening. So I have a whole chapter on pretrial bail conditions. And one of the big parts of the chapter is the Crypto 6. So you guys are involved in a whole bunch of chapters as well as prosecutorial coercion where I mentioned the 90, 97% rates of Plea deals and of convictions on the federal level. So there's all of that. But a lot of the other. So the book has 28 chapters. So it's an intro and, and a conclusion. But like 26? Yeah. Good job. It's my longest book. Yeah, thank you. It's 70,000 words. So my longest book by far. So the 26 areas of law. So so we mentioned a few. A few others are qualifying immunity. We discussed that and how it violates due process. And there's less. There's more due process and more protection, immunity for police officers. And I explain that on the civil side. I explain why why police officers and other government agents are very rarely prosecuted for criminal charges because their prosecutors are literally co-workers with police officers
1: you mentioned that your book corona fascism is uh, being promoted by the publisher and all of that stuff tell me about the book because being a libertarian i see all of the mechanisms that the state came up with for quote fighting the coronavirus is easily usable for the oppression of the masses but I imagine most people don't see that. Is that what your book is about, trying to explain to these people how, hey, look, this this tracking system that the government has got, this contact tracing, that's what they called it, system that they come up with, it can very easily be a way for them to find all of the people who have this political ideology and who share that ideology and all of their friends because they do this in China. The Chinese government does Mm -hmm. this to people if you speak out. They kill everyone you've had contact with. <laughs> right.
3: Maybe not kill them, but, but, but they, they disappear. Well, like, so what makes perfectly good sense is, is that there would be, um, hey, ladies and gentlemen, there could be another pandemic coming, and it's just around the corner.
2: So You're already we, saying that.
3: Right. Yeah, It's we monkeypox, need, pox, right? Wh- whatever. Well, monkeypox got put on hold for Pride Month, right? right. <laughs> monkeypox on hold for Pride Month. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have to be prepared, and the best thing is is for us to just do tracking now. So just open up your iPhones. You're already carrying the tracking device. All we need is uh, your permission. All we need to do is click yes um, and uh, to our terms of service, and now we're in good shape.
2: Yeah, under the guise of of coronavirus, corona fascism, the federal government, governments around the world, state and local governments took away more freedom and privacy.
3: We need instances like this to allow the American public and the American legislature to under American legislatures <laughs> to understand that, hey. Maybe there's some refinement that can be done to this system because the idea that one person should be making mm-hmm. these decisions and I have a lot of value for one person running a system. I think it's a good thing in many cases. But once it gets large and people are like, hey, you know, why can't I why do I have to go out of business and have my kids and my lives ruined because you handed out some you know, dumb rule that doesn't apply to me? It's absolutely bizarre. I as I understand it though, New
1: Hampshire has taken steps within the last legislative session to dial back some of the powers of God King Sununu. I'm I'm not exactly sure what those were but there, there was, was a
2: tiny emergency or forum built so there's a lot of legislative um inside baseball and drama that happened over the last year. Last it has year got the year. budget to pass, he said that Let's just pass the budget. So they passed the big budget bill, which has a lot of laws in it, for better or for worse. Sununu signed it, and it had, I think, no emergency reform for the state of emergency powers of a governor. But then he said he wrote a letter, an open letter, promising that next year I'll support certain reforms, like limiting the, the length and, and, and allowing the legislature, like one chamber, I believe, to vote to end an emergency. Um, that got watered down more, and then they finally passed that bill this year, and then I believe that was the bill he just vetoed, Right. So the one thing he, he promised, the whole big thing, pass it this year, next year I'll do this. And we all fell for it because politicians have never lied about that, right? Next year I'll do it. I would say an emergency, another type would be a massive typhoon or maybe even hurricane destroying half of New Hampshire. For a day, you can declare an emergency. Or if a missile is inbound, you can declare an emergency in that you can send an intercepting defensive missile. But a virus for 16 months is not an emergency. That but, that, that is there for like a missile is incoming and you need to act in the next two seconds. You can't get the legislature to convene.
3: Let me push back a little bit on it. So um, the the premise that we were fed was that this virus, uh, this Franken bug flies through the air and it's uh, you know wiping us out. Don't, don't forget to leave your groceries in the uh, garage for three days. Um, you, know, you did that. this, right? Yep. I, I, I did a lot of this stuff. I mean, a lot of Americans did all this stuff. Um, well, see, I didn't on. do
1: any of it. I, I went to more parties. I engaged in more social activity. I hung out with more people and I didn't wear a mask. And I probably
3: washed my hands less during the pandemic than I ordinarily do i certainly have uh you know picked up a, a habit of washing my hands even more frequently than i did before there's nothing wrong with
1: that i would encourage people to wash their
3: hands more frequently but um you know i was, I was doing the mask thing i was, i remember uh, being told don't pick up that garbage it could have the thing on it right so it was, it was super crazy right and the um legislators Certainly didn't want to get together in the legislative uh, buildings in order to the, pass the laws. Um, so so did,
1: in New Hampshire, didn't they use like a baseball field or something like that to host a legislative session? Yeah, there were mind. some
2: sports complexes and some other big places outside of Concord, which for various reasons is illegal. I talk about it a lot in the book about the tests and how the tests overinflated the numbers of uh, cases and deaths and hospitalizations. I agree with that. Later, yeah. So, so, so the, the, the big ways they – I think there are three big ways they inflated the deaths by as much as, you know, 100-fold, 1,000-fold maybe or maybe a million-fold is first they used the PCR test that cycled, meaning uh, amplified, like doubled the, the sample just like 40 45 cycles where it doubles at every time instead of like 20 25 which is recommended by a PCR manufacturer and everyone recommends that. So right away that might have gotten you to like 99% false positives maybe I don't know. Way false positives. And we ago. also
1: learned that these PCR tests can't tell the difference between the flu and COVID-19. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I learned I that I two years ago. Firm
2: that I don't I don't think but but just the fact that it inflates so much is a tremendous issue um and that they, they admitted a few years later but I have to look into the, the flu issue cuz that it's very it's very complicated and again I'm, I'm not an immunologist but another big thing that actually caused more inflation of the numbers, I believe, is using symptoms. So sometimes mm. in medicine we'll use we'll use symptoms. Where if there's a very specific symptom, that's that's called pathognomonic for a certain disease. We we can get say pretty much with hundred percent certainty if you have that symptom, it could be that disease. It's like the really loss of air. taste and smell. Yeah, yeah that's not one hundred percent pathognomonic. It's pretty pretty specific to COVID, but other things could cause that. Obviously. Well, I don't know. I I experienced that, and it was such a complete.
1: I mean, it wasn't it's so like weird. Yeah, 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 it's weird. You you sort of lose your sense of taste and smell when you have a cold. It, but it just sort of gets Gets weaker and it gets weird. You started a trail mix company called Truth Smacks. Yes. And one of the things I really like about it is, lately I've been paying attention to the, to what I actually put into my body. You know, through most of my life I just did what most Americans do. Just yeah. has some McDonald's here, and some Domino's there, or whatever. Didn't really pay any attention to it. But recently mm-hmm. I've been paying attention, and I I really prefer things that are organic and not not overly modified. And yeah. Your ingredients for your trail mix, uh, they meet that criteria. Mm-hmm. So you're the owner and cre- founder of TruthSmacks. Yes. D- tell, what inspired you to pursue this project?
4: Uh, well, when I was teaching in South Korea, I um, I used to make my trail mix for my friends, and they all raved about it. And then when I left my job in South Korea after 20 years, I... I wasn't sure what to do, and and I always had these quotes at the end of my emails as kind of my signature line, and I often got compliments back from random people saying, I love your quotes. And so I just uh, decided to marry the two together um, and make my own trail mix with quotes on the back.
3: Just out of curiosity, I've spent a very little time in Korea. Is trail mix a thing there? Um, No. So, I mean, you have to, if you want trail mix, if you want to go hiking um, or or just have trail mix generally. You have to make it yourself. You have to make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Well, I don't know what the actual cost is of having a commercial kitchen, but it's not one that you should have to burden to do something as simple as... Not, not so I don't want to make it sound simple because I imagine <laughs> there's a, actually quite a bit of work that goes into it, and it's probably yeah. not as simple no, as what one think. would like to think. But it's it's not like you're you're whipping up, you know, souffle. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's yeah. uh
3: it's it's trial and error, I would imagine, as far as ingredients go, right? I mean you're just putting together deciding how much chocolate, how mm-hmm. many raisins, uh, you know, you don't want too many, you don't want not enough.
4: That's true. I will admit, I'm not scientific about okay. how much. <laughs> really? So, yeah. I'm you might get you a bag been... that has a lot of chocolate. You might get a bag that... See, I prefer that. I'm right? sorry. I got a lot of chocolate
1: <laughs> in mine. It was great. I prefer that because that makes it feel less like, I buy. look, if I buy trail mix from, you know, insert company, whatever, from Kroger or whatever, I know that they have this giant Mm -hmm. apparatus that puts in everything in exactly the same quantities and it separates it into exactly the same amounts. It's like, there's no creativity. There's no inspiration there. There's no chance that I'm going to find anything that's, well, this is a particularly good bag of trail mix. I'm really (laughs) glad I bought it, right? (laughs) Yeah. starburst i think does something similar right i prefer the pink starburst who does it but i hate the lemon ones. sometimes you get a bag of starbursts it's like, like the like, orange ones it's like half lemon and it's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> the reason the libertarian party and its people they they fight so viciously over these scraps that they get that this three percent not even three percent this one two percent of the vote that they get they fight so viciously over just like starving wolves fight viciously (laughs) over, you know, a tiny scrap of food. This dog here, my dog, she's not going to fight anyone over her food because she's well-fed.
3: Because there's more coming.
1: Yes. But for the Libertarian Party and for, you know, the Free State Project, they they began to feel a success. And then they felt like something was threatening to detract from that success. And it filled them with with rage and anger. And they were like, no, we're we're banning one of the people who has been behind the Free State Project. Migration for the last fifteen years. This, of course, being Ian Freeman, yeah, our longtime co-host. Yeah, because he was he re- as I understand it, he refused to say that he was molested or something along those lines. He he engaged in some sort of sexual activity with an older person when he was younger. Yep, and he said, I oh, know I consented to this, mm-hmm. and the Porcupine Freedom Festival or some people on the Free State Project Board got really upset because he wouldn't say that he was groomed or molested or violated or raped or whatever terminology they wanted to use. And he was like, no, I consented to it. So right. they banned him for a year. It's actually surprising to me to look around. Now, when you come to Rogers Campground, if you're actually entering the campground, they give you an orange sticker to put on your vehicle. Yep. And it's, it lists your departure dates for whatever reason. I, I don't know why they do it that way, but whatever. It, it allows us to go through and look and see how many people are expecting to stay for Fork Fest. And how many are leaving at the end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Like I mentioned, the the Wormtown trailer here next to us, who I was worried wasn't going to be here, they're staying all the way through Fork Fest. So I'm, oh, good. I'm excited about that. And there, there's a sh- surprising number, more than I would have expected, of people who are staying through Fork Fest. And you can't make it to the Porcupine Freedom Festival if you don't already have a ticket. You're out. You can't do it. You no. can buy a ticket for next year, presumably. I, I imagine those are available on their website. It would be silly if not, but who
3: knows? I don't know how you'd get a ticket anyway. I mean, I wouldn't be able to, you know. Well, when someone I, says, no, it's not possible, I mean, my mind immediately begins trying to figure out how it is possible. But well,
1: I have an extra ticket,
3: presumably, that I could sell to someone. But it, it would be... They'd have to find you, and you're inside Porkfest, and it, that couldn't be very easy.
1: It would be a lot of trouble for me as well, for me to, you know... Probably because the tickets, when I bought them, they were $195 a
4: piece. My name's Alex Voss, and I'm here uh, on behalf of the Free Cities Foundation. The Free Cities Foundation is uh, a group looking to build uh, alternative forms of governance across the globe. So these range from, you know, things like your generic uh, intentional city to charter cities, um to prosperity zones and ultimately uh free private cities where we really uh take a lot of the autonomy away from governments uh into a for-profit provider of governance services so the free private cities we advertise them a lot on free talk live
3: i, I don't know to what extent you are involved with this mark I, I'm a, uh, a supporter, and okay. uh, I'm involved. Uh, so, um, yeah, I love the idea of the free, uh, free private cities. When you're talking about a, a service provider as a city, this isn't such a crazy idea. If you think about, for instance, uh, a resort like Club Med, one of these uh, resorts that can house thousands of people. Sure. A cruise ship, again, thousands of people. These are basically cities. At least, at the very least, you know they're they're functionally municipalities. They're providing all of their, you know, the power and the uh, the water and all of the things that uh, is, necess- is necessary.
1: Cruise ships. That, that feels like a bad example, though, because
3: okay. uh, what I've heard about cruise ships is
1: that they they sound a lot better on paper, and when you're on one, they're they're actually kind of miserable.
3: Here on Free Talk Live, we've talked for a very long time. We've said things like. You know, most of the world operates, most people think in a libertarian fashion. You break something, you, you make good for it. You right. know, you you know, the, the whole world's libertarian and then the lawyers get involved. Right? They they use the the fringe cases to set the tone and then, you know, everything goes hay- haywire. And I think that this is this is really the the opportunity is is that free private cities, the idea is is that you can have whatever you think that works. Now, If socialism works, then why not? Why don't all the socialists move to one place and, you know, run a socialist city that I would love to see that equality and
1: stuff? Well, it wouldn't work and they know it wouldn't work. and, And I think that's why they won't do it. They know that they're not going to attract, you know, engineers and biochemists and all of these other ultra specialized careers to
3: their socialist commune. Well, then, um, then the alternative is, is that uh, libertarians can set up a libertarian place and try to attract um, you know, people who want to live under those terms. And if that's the case, if we are able to negotiate with uh, some country to create something like this, then it's, we're all the better for it. <laughs>
1: I don't know if you guys are involved with the seasteading or anything like that. Like the C- I know there's the Seasteading Institute. I don't know to what extent the Free Cities Foundation actually is involved in it. But one of the most intriguing ones that I've seen were these sort of hexagon-shaped seasteading facilities yep. that would like link up with like, uh, like-minded people, and you sort of form a, a city that way. And if you decided you didn't want to be part of that city anymore, you just unhook your hexagon from the beehive and you go find a different one. That sort of thing seems ideal to me because the ocean it th- there's no scrap of land on this earth
3: that isn't claimed by a state. Yeah. But they haven't claimed every drop of water. Not every drop of water, no, but um when it comes to oceans there's there's well for one it's a highly corrosive environment, right? I mean Oh sure. And yeah. uh it's not as bad as outer space, but it's got some problems. Also, I'm of the opinion that uh Seasteading is probably, you know, it's a great sort of fictional idea.
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree. I don't think we're going to see an actual seasteading city at any point. It's it's too much work for too little a reward, I think.
3: Yeah, I don't know how big a city is, and I don't know um, what would uh, necessarily uh, have to occur to make it happen, but I am uh, somewhat uh, skeptical about... uh, the idea, and um, you know, I mean, I I hope the best for them. If you have one of these things set up, it doesn't necessarily have to
1: be a liberty city. If you want to set up a, a tyranny city, a Nazi city, if you want, and, and you could you know draw people Define into Nazis that idea. In first, I think
3: is what you're going to need to do. It's well, difficult.
1: We we everyone here but you're knows. Just what to I mean. sh- show an extremity, extreme, an yeah. extreme e- example. Everyone here knows what I mean, right? <laughs> right. And if you want to have a city that's dedicated to you know. Racist authoritarianism, then you could have that. I, I wouldn't go to it. and I suspect no one here at the Porcupine Free Private like would go for to a it.
3: Visit to me either.
1: But I mean, you do have people like Scott the bigot, who is a regular caller. Somebody's going to want to
3: visit. Who he wouldn't want to visit? He would want to live there. So the the idea of free private cities, as I understand it, at this point is just an idea. Like
4: uh, Alex, would you say there's a free private city? No, I'd, I'd say that there are uh, a number of attempts that approximate it but no uh no free private cities in the world today
3: and we're keeping an eye on some places including new hampshire um as places that uh, may be good ideas but new hampshire is a you know it's a really a different concept the hope i think with free private cities is that you go to some government jurisdiction and say hey we'd like to try our thing and we'd like as little intervention from you as possible and we'll send you money and that's the idea
4: yeah I think that's exactly right, and as Arya said earlier, you know i don 't think it 's necessarily competitive to uh, the free state project it 's not competitive to the libertarian party
1: How do you take putting money? in meters for people so they don't get parking tickets. How do you take that and behave in such a way that the press you get about it
3: becomes negative? Well, you have to fail in a monumental way. It's because statists are incredibly good at using the cathedral in repainting things. I mean, people in Keene really did appreciate the uh the Robin Hooders putting No, in- they don't. No, they did not Talk that, to the people in Keene. Well, that's later. Like they their their opinion changed. Okay. Fair you point. know, over time. I mean, at first, it's like, "Hey, wow! Well, I didn't get a ticket. That's really awesome." You know, and now it's like, "But they bothered Mary, or whatever the the meter maid's name was." Well, because that part was So a lunatic comes back from Iraq um, as a uh, you know a, a veteran and says, "This was worse than Iraq." Working as a meter maid in Keene, New Hampshire, are you telling me that I should listen to that as though that's sanity no, coming I'm, out of somebody's no, mouth? I'm absolutely not. <laughs> However,
1: it was an avoidable conversation to be had in the first place. It, it, that could have been avoided by just not, I don't want to use the word harassing because they weren't harassing the meter, but, but by avoiding
3: the meter attendance.
1: The, the entire thing could have been avoided.
3: The reason that they um, went after the meter attendance is that's the most efficient way to do it. Yeah, right? they're not wrong, right? I mean,
1: if you get in front of, if you just walk in front of that person, they can't give out tickets. Benjamin of the of Goldback. dot com, the Goldback Company. We love the Goldbacks here on Free Talk Live. I, I can't use crypto, right? But I can use Goldbacks, and I love it. Uh, it it's such an. I I don't want to say I like using Goldbacks more than crypto, because I mean, obviously, I haven't used crypto in the last two years. It may have become a yeah, little bit more seamless. Crypto. I do love crypto, but it is easier to use the Goldback, right? It, it's just an experience that we're all more familiar with. You're just pulling out a, a not a sheet of paper because it's not paper but it's similar and you're handing that over and that's the payment right you don't have to pull out your phone unlock it pull up a certain app scan a qr code hit send wait on it to confirm you don't have to do any of that just here bam done
0: that is what goldback is it's cash it is just um gold that is a very thin coin, basically, and you use it like cash because it is cash. It's a real cash money, uh, made out of pure twenty-four karat gold. And so, you know, like you're so saying, you don't call it a bill. Uh, no, we don't call it a bill. A bill actually is, uh, you know, a piece of paper that tells you you have to pay money. Yeah, a uh, bill is
3: a debt, right? A bill is
0: a debt, and this is not a debt instrument. This is an asset, an actual okay. asset made out of gold. Uh, that you're trading real value for value when you use the Bitcoin to uh, make a purchase. And so, um, you know, crypto, I love crypto because it can do so many things that money couldn't before. But goldbacks, goldbacks are the best kind of cash money there is. Absolutely. Uh, I prefer crypto.
1: Crypto is useful. They coexist very well, I think. They each solve different problems. Crypto. Easily usable online if you want to buy something from Amazon or whatever. Amazon doesn't yet take cryptocurrency. They will at some point. There are websites that will. Overstock takes Bitcoin, for example. If you want to buy something online or send money online, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, that's the way to do it. But if you want to pay for something in person, goldbacks are so much more convenient. So last year was the first year that Goldbacks were officially at the Porcupine Festival. They were here the previous year. Um, Ian actually came here with the Utah Goldbacks two years ago, Oh, I, if I have my timeline correct. Yeah,
0: a little more than two years ago, we launched the Utah Goldback in the state of Utah, but New Hampshire Goldbacks have only been here in the free state for about a year.
1: I was the first person to price anything in Goldbacks here, and it, it was a glass of wine for one Goldback or... Or two dollars. I don't remember the. I don't remember the pricing at this point. It was cheaper to use gold back, if I remember correctly. So whatever that came out to be, and the sign actually said, you know, blood of Christ, one gold back or whatever. Oh, God. oh no, it, well, it was red wine, right? So it was really funny. And, uh, that's the kind of trolley thing that I like to do, and uh, you know, it it went well. I made plenty of gold that year, and then the next year there were even more. That was the year I think that Ian was up here with the Utah Goldbacks, and the next year you guys were here and. This year there 's we accept goldback stickers on everything, like I was just walking around last night looking and oh look, I, I think there 's probably more goldback stickers around here than there are crypto stickers and if you 've been following the Porcupine Freedom Festival for any length of time that 's an amazing statement
3: i can 't remember what year it was, but it was um, a, a year, and I think it was uh, two thousand and twelve. Um, The Pork Fest of that year, the Porcupine Freedom Festival of that year was called the first Bitcoin event. And it was six dollars at the time. And that, um, you know, people were I remember Doug's smoothies and a variety of uh, places were, you know, accepting crypto. Sure. Well, you can we'll take your crypto. Hopefully they kept it because they're pretty wealthy right now. So
1: we're talking a bit here about the gold bags and we were talking about the language on them because I remember when the New Hampshire one first released because of the state laws or whatever the the Utahs said voluntary comma local currency so they say local currency to Levant, to Utah that is you know voluntary as a currency should be but the New Hampshire ones in contrast said voluntary negotiable instruments because there's something about the word currency in New Hampshire law I don't know the specifics of it because I'm an attorney they have uh
0: you
1: know chicken quesadillas over here for I think they were ten dollars. most people would say three for ten dollars would be the price of gold bags, but they, they seem to be new to the gold back thing, so I gave them four. It would be crazy for me to give them four goldbacks and to expect back two usD in in change for this. Wait, no, you either give me my change back in gold or i don 't get change, and in this case i I just don 't get change. That's the nature of the beast at this point. I didn't pay you 12 USD to get back $2 in USD. I gave you four gold back. It's my fault for using this currency. <laughs> but the, that, this is the activist approach, right? I'm the one sure. who chose to use this currency. So I'm willing to use it as a loss to encourage people to yeah. adopt it.
0: Now, not everybody does that, though. We do actually have a currency calculator that will tell you down to the penny exactly how much change in fiat you can use. Uh, if you want to do a, uh, something smaller than one gold back, you can get change in fiat and it does all the math for you.